Welcome to the Weekend Wild Podcast. I'm Pat. And I'm Jim. And we're two working class dudes who only got two days to get her done. We talk about a lot of fishing, especially muskie, northern, walleye, and in the fall, we love bow hunting. So we've got all your bow tips and tricks. So we also talk about conservation, news articles, cooking, a little bit of lifestyle, and a little bit of opinion. We only have two days to get it done, so come on, tune in, and get Weekend Wild. All right. Let's start up, Pat. What do you got? What do you got this week? Uh, this week, the one talking point before we get too far into it is I'm gonna t- I want to bring I want to talk a little about night fishing being the end of July, and water temps are really warm and that kind of stuff. So we're gonna talk a little night fishing, and uh, you had something you want to talk about? What, what? Uh, no, I was just gonna talk about like the relationship between like technology, like modern fishing technology and pressure. Yeah, yeah. So tell me about your week. How about your week? Uh, I was just doing stupid like boat prep stuff. Um, I made two seat pedestals and i bought like a little butt seat well they call them i i call them butt seats realistically every seat's a butt seat yeah. right? but um those uh th- maybe they call them pro seats or casting seats you know little seats yeah the, just a little yeah. like kind of lean on them kind of so because yeah, you have a you have a little diy design i don't know if you want to share your your uh hard-earned information here about what exactly fits a seat post for most boats? So this is kind of crazy. And I was going to make a YouTube video on this. Of course, it'd be something real well, stupid. We could still make a YouTube video yeah. on it. So if you own a Lund, there's a bunch of different size seat posts. And if you own a Lund or if you own one of these things that take two and three eighths, what else is two and three eighths? A fence post. A fence end post. So like the oh an end post like the terminal post so like oh. either like w- w- at the start of a fence or at the end of a fence they're two and three how many how many things did you measure before you got into that what like are, like how many like when you were looking how did you know to look at the fence end post did you run around with like a, a caliper at Home Depot looking for anything that resembled two no so I just remember like I think the one is inch and five eighths is like the regular uh, that's the top run post and. Um, the other one I think is maybe like an inch and three quarter. Okay. And I just, I, cause I just did this last year, the fence thing. Oh, I forgot you did put up a fence. Yeah. And so I was looking, I really wanted to get a, I wanted to try a butt seat because when you're in a, when you're in my boat in high wake with, you've got one foot, this is the one thing I hate about cable driven trolling motors. You got one foot, like five inches off the ground. And if you put a lot of weight on it, you spin the boat. Right. Yeah. So I wanted to find a way to like just rest a little bit of my weight on something without tipping off the boat or turning the boat or whatever. It was just getting real annoying in high waves. So I was like, I'm going to go try one of these pro seats. Well, the cheapest post that you can get is like a hundred bucks. Like they're, they're not cheap. And then there's a bajillion different sizes of them. And I figured out that they were two and three eighths inch. And I'm thinking to myself, like, what is like, I just went through this. You know what I mean? I didn't think maybe it was something at work. Maybe it was, you know, but I just went through this. And so I just Googled, okay, well, can I just buy an aluminum two and three eighths tube? No. I mean, you can, but they're like really obscure and expensive. So I was like, screw it. And then I, I was on some website looking at fence posts. And I'm like, they make aluminum fence posts? No. It's a regular old fence post made out of galvanized steel. And uh, so I did that. I cut them up. Uh, I experimented like three times. I think I got an okay height. I've got a, if you want to try one, I've got a 24 and a 27 inch. 24 seems a bit short. I'm good. Uh, we don't really use a seat in the front. I'll tell you when we're, when we're meat fishing is about the only time I use a seat up there. Other than that, I don't really, it seems like, like yesterday, for instance, I was out fishing. Uh, I got a muskie last night, by the way. It was a nice little, uh, nice little, uh, what would you call it? Like a rut buster, you know? Yeah. Oh yeah. But, um. 
I noticed every time I had to sit down to do something, I either stepped off the deck and sat on the edge of the deck, or I sat in one of the first seats. But I never was looking for a seat in front of the boat. So for me, this is not a seat as much as it is something to just put a little bit of your, like lean a little bit of weight into so you're not, you know, it just makes it easier for me to control the trolling motor. Because, you know, you've oh, got yeah, the, you got the cable driven. Yeah. So if you're if you're constantly balancing on one foot, it gets old quick. Yeah, I got the remote. Man, I love the remote. I really do love the remote. So you could be flat-footed and super stable, and I, I just wanted a way to be more stable, you know? So... I start. I did that. Got all the seat stuff. So basically, I got a pro seat for sixty bucks. Yeah, which is awesome. Nice. And of course, it's a cheap Amazon one with a cheap base and all that stuff. But whatever. Uh, another thing I started doing this week was sewing. Oh, nice. Did you actually get a machine or just hand sewing? No, just hand sewing. Takes yeah. takes an awful amount of time. Uh, that's why I want to get a machine. But I don't know if you ever actually priced out sewing machines, but they are incredibly expensive for anything decent. So you, you know the linemen that work on. You know, poles and stuff like what we do, they, they have the bucket covers. Yeah. You know the bucket covers I'm talking about? Yeah. So somebody was throwing one out, and they said, oh, it was leaking. So I, I salvaged a good part of that, and that's actually a net cover for me now. I sewed nice. up the ends of it. That's a good material for it. Sun eats that stuff, but, yeah, it's a good material to start. Yeah, I mean, it, it's not going to be out in the sun. It's more of a thing there where if I throw it in the bottom of the boat, I'm not going to catch it with five rods that Dad left in the bottom. You know what I mean? So it's just, you know. But so I started doing that. Not as bad as I thought. I want. I got a couple ideas for like a, like a quick musky box that I'm gonna make, and then also involve sewing. So just buy a musky box. We're trying to make these things out of gutters and stuff. Just buy one. Oh, I'm making the next one out of for sure. I'm making the next one out of a gutter. I'm not trying to impress nobody. No, but it's just so much nicer to be organized with the covers and pockets, and it's just so much nicer. I, don't really, I, I want one that goes around that post. Yeah, just I so see I don't that. have a bunch of crap in my But Lakewood makes a really nice version of that. Yeah, for 165 bucks. Yeah, I know. They are pricey. They so are it's, pricey. And it's, it's not that I don't, like, if I buy something like that, I'm just spending all this stupid money for no reason. So it's like I can make one for 20 bucks. I know. The there, there was a couple of boxes of theirs I looked at, and I'm like, I'll just stick with my, my old one I got. That's nothing special. I think mine, mine's either the Flambo one or the Plano one. One it, of them is hard plastic, and one of them is the one I got. So I know. also tried making an acrylic one. And maybe I should make a video about that, but that was an absolute disaster. So the glue was just awful. <laughs> Bad idea. So uh, you done with your week? Did yeah. you have any more you want to throw in? Or? No, it was super simple. So I was fishing our very pressured lake. And Friday night I took my brother-in-law out, um, and he really wanted to go. So he got off of work. I got off of work. We went out. We beat up the water. I think I had one on. He doesn't think so, but I was doing a, I had a big trolling crankbait I forgot that I owned. It's one of these things, you know? Yeah. And so we were trolling right where like six meet, or six, six meet, six feet meets 20 feet. You know, within a half a cast, you could be in six feet or you could be in 20 feet. So we trolled that line for the length of the lake. And the one time, like, uh, well, first of all, that lure dove a lot deeper than I thought. And uh, we, were trolling, we were trolling for musky, by the way. How fast were you going? 2.2, 2.3. So uh, idle, basically? Yeah. yeah. Idle, low wind, and uh, we're, we're just trolling along that line. And this thing's scraping the bottom, but you can kind of time it, you know? Yeah. But the one time, the rod bent, bump, 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 and it's like it wasn't, it wasn't coming back. I set the hook, and I did not realize the drag is pretty much burned out of my C4. My ambassador C4. Yeah. So I set the hook and I thought I broke the line. That's how easy it was. So I, I quickly reached down for the drag and I go to tighten it up. I'm like, it is tight. Like there's no more to turn. You what about know? thumbing it? So then I, but by then it was kind of late, but I felt pop, 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 pop on the rod. Yeah. And I told Evan, I was like, I think I had one on. 
He's like, nah, I don't think so. He goes, there was a lot of line out. Probably had like a good 100 feet out, you know, maybe more. And he thinks it was something that when I set the hook, the lure did one of these sideways things. Maybe, very possibly, but it felt like a fish. It felt like a fish. Yeah, I I think you know the difference, you know. What was it on, like a a Polish pike or something? No, it was a... I think it's. I think Storm makes it. It's a big ass Storm crankbait. Mm. And I mean, this thing is 12, 14 inches long. Like you know, like an actual diver or what? Yeah, but I thought it would be shallow. I thought this thing, looking at it, if you said how deep does this lure dive, I'd tell you five or six feet. Yeah. And I was scraping bottom at fifteen. You know, scraping bottom. And I think I lost one. That was Friday night. So we we got our we got beat up pretty good, and then uh, went home. And so I was either gonna go out Saturday night or Sunday morning. And me and Keller kind of weighing like, okay, well, we got this going on on Sunday and we got that going on on Saturday, blah, blah, blah. It turned out Saturday night was a night to go. So regardless of what's going on, I'm going out. I'm going to go Saturday night. So I head out. I was just by myself. And I beat up the natural shoreline of this lake, the one right by the boat launch. I yeah. beat up the shit. And I'm telling you, I tried everything, everything. And I got a couple of lure reviews. I'm going to do one right now. Um, but And then I'll save another one for later on, new lures that I have. But I beat up, I went from shallow weed beds to deep rocks and back and forth. And finally, finally at the end of the night on a rock pile out in the middle of the lake, no weeds, just structure. Uh, me and uh, Bush, like Billy, were fishing the last time when you were out there. We fished the same spot, but we hit it with top water because everything in my bones tell me, tells me to hit this thing with top water. Everything, like... When you start seeing that sun, I don't know if you know the trick, arm's length, to tell how much sunlight you have left. Do you know that one? No. So, like, if uh, real quick, if you if you put your arm, this is it's pretty close, too. Obviously, everybody's got different length arms, but it kind of matches your proportional. The other thing, too, in the summertime, it just dumps. In the wintertime, you do that, it just dumps. The sun just No, gone. no, no, no. So, so, you see the sun coming down the horizon. Put your arm out and your pinky finger on the horizon, the bottom where the light's going to disappear. And for every finger that that sun is at is 15 minutes of light. And it's pretty close. Try it. I'm telling you. Try it. So arm lengths out. Count how many. If you got two hand widths, you got two hours of light out of you. If you got one hand width, you got an hour of light. If you got three, you got 45 minutes. I don't know, man. I just think that. Try it. I'm telling you. I, what about in the wintertime? Where it's like, so oh, it, yeah, the sun's right there. Oh, it's gone. It's, you know? uh, like, but the sun, just, the sun gets dark real quick after it's down. Like, but you still have the sun's still in it. This only works when it's in the sky. I'm not talking about glow. This is just until the sun's over the horizon. Yeah. And so I'm looking and I, I beat it up. I got out there probably about 530. I'm going to say I was on the water. And so I beat it up for, I mean, if it, it's sunset, the, the thing, the problem with Illinois lakes is you got to be this lake. You got to be off by sunset. And like, uh, I was telling the guys at the boat launch, I'm like, I would have got out a half hour ago with the water temp the way it is. It's 82 degree water temp, but I would have night fished it. If Illinois wasn't ridiculous with the rules, I would have night fished it. But so anyway, so I'm looking, and I was telling you that four-finger trick means an hour, and this was probably somewhere between two and three fingers left. And I'm like, man, everything in my bones tells me throw topwater. Throw topwater, throw topwater, throw topwater. Just everything that we were trained to do over the years. I'm like, I'm not doing it. I'm not going to do it. And so I was throwing a full-size bulldog. And uh, I'm like, all right. I've been throwing this bulldog for a while. I'm going to downsize it. I'm going to hit the top of this rock pile. Within two or three casts, it downsized, and I had that musky on. So That's awesome. I got a little video. I Because like I'm trying to get used to having video going. So I always have a GoPro, uh, and then I also have my camera. So I, luckily, I had the GoPro going. I made a little video out of it. I don't know if I'm going to put it on my Instagram or not. But then I, the one thing I wanted to tell you about, I don't know. 
Did I send you the picture of me holding that muskie? No. So I only got a picture of him swimming around in a net, and I was looking at his back, and I'm like, that might also be a pike, you know? Um. So anyway, there's a, for anybody that doesn't know, I have like a neurological disorder. Nothing major. It's called a hemifacial spasm. And there's two ways to fix it. You either get shots in your face to numb the muscles or you get brain surgery. So I opted for the, the uh, shots. And so I got to go to the Mayo Clinic every 90 days for the rest of my life to do this. And, uh, but anyway, your brain thinks you're doing one thing and your muscles are doing another. I'll show you the picture. Um, we're not going to use it on uh, Instagram because I'm just like so like, I can't believe this turned out like this. I just can't believe. So I think I'm smiling normally. And then here, you want, you want to see it real quick while we're on the air? Yeah. So I sent it to Kel and she goes, what kind of smile is that? And then I, I look back on it and I'm looking, I'm like, oh, that's a neurological disorder smile. But I think, but when it, before I show you this, I think my smile is just normal. All right. And that's the way it turned out. You see how it's all like that? Yeah. And your, your, the, what would that be? Your, is it your left eye? Yeah. My left side. Kind of down a little bit. Yeah. It's almost like it's somewhere like between Bell's palsy and like having a stroke. It's but like keep in mind, like that, that shot that you get actually keeps your muscles from moving. So oh, all it does is paralyze you. It just par- paralyzes. Yeah. Well, yeah. Um, it keeps things open. Like if you notice, I don't know, cause like after, as it's, like, I'm, I'm about, let's see, I'm about two thirds away of the last shot. So, but if you notice when I first get it, I actually have to get special eye drops cause my eye doesn't blink all the way. So it dries out a lot. So I have to put eye drops in and then as it goes, it like starts wearing off obviously. But after I first get it, my left eye is wide open and my right eye is normal, you know? Yeah. So, but anyway, so I couldn't even put that picture on there. Luckily, I had this other kind of junky one. I think you could have done fine with that picture. Uh, even Dad said something. I sent it to him, and I told him. He and he he said he was just too polite to ask me about it. Like, what's up with that smile? You know? Oh, when I had my stuff going on, he was laughing at me full board. What stuff? Uh, when I was losing my hair. Oh yeah yeah yeah. No, this is just something. I don't know what. I, I think it was a snowboarding accident. Dad thinks it might have happened when I fell off that slide as a kid. I don't know what started it, but I have two options. One of them is brain surgery, which I'm not interested in. So I just get shots in the face, you know. But I'm, as long as it's not like terminal in some it, sort of it, way. It, I, it, it, all it is is an inconvenience. There's yeah. nothing, you know. Um, but it's just funny with that picture. I had no idea that I was having an episode right then and there. So I'm taking it and I think everything's fine. And Kel's like, you don't normally smile like that. Maybe the sun had something to do with it. I said, maybe the adrenaline of net muskie on my own, you know, after being stumped, you know, I don't notice it right now. That's what I mean. It's weird. And as I'm taking that picture, I like literally threw the fish back in there. I would have retaken it if I knew that's what it looked like. You know, the other thing too is photographer photographing yourself, you know, that's also a trick. You set a timer, you set it up on something, you run back, and you know, so that's kind of a trick too. Um, but you walk around thinking that people notice that about you. They don't. People that know you notice that about you. Yeah, well, I pointed out. I'm not shy about it, but like uh, to put that on social media that people don't understand what's going on, you know. So showing you, I don't mind because you're like, oh yeah, look at that. That's kind of crazy looking, you know. I was uber shy about my alopecia when it first happened, and then afterwards, you just hit a point. And you're like, f it, just roll with it. So another thing with the week, me and Keller are talking, I might be selling that Clacker Craft. Why? So if anybody, we're not using it. I'm not using it like I thought. I thought everybody would want to go out and like use it for what we bought it for, but nobody wants to use it. So um, we're, uh, what? Just keep it. Uh, there, I'm, I'm not going to be without something. There's That's still in the works. But so if anybody listening is interested in a 2022 Clacker Craft, these things are expensive for what they are, you know. But you can email us at uh, contact at weekendwildpodcast.com. But I'll, I'll tell you about it. I've had, you can follow me on social media. There's pictures. I actually have that drift boat video you and me made with a motor on it. 
you can look at that. But uh, yeah, it's an Eddie. It's a 2022 Clacker Craft Eddie 360 with a six horse Tahatsu. There's a bunch of upgrades. I got the upgraded trailer, all that stuff. So I'm not officially sure I'm selling it, but there's a very good chance we're uh, we're selling it. So nah, I don't think you should sell it. You've already got it. It's done. It's not all, all it's doing is taking up a spot in the garage. Um. Yeah, but I want something a little more one-person friendly since nobody wants to go out in it, and then all I'm going to have is a kid after that. And that thing's not? Uh, one-person friendly? Yeah. Not for motoring. Not for motoring. Oh. Not for, like, getting in it and taking off to go far, you know? Oh, there's some other options that we're exploring right now, Veer. you know? So, no, no. I would love that. They're just too expensive. If a Veer boat was under, it was sub $10,000, I'd buy it. Hmm. But being, I mean... First of all, the Clacker Craft is way better off. If you're going to fish more than two people and you want room to roam, the Clacka is way the way to go. You know, I don't think you should get rid of it. You did all that work to get it, and you got it. Keep it. The nice thing is, I bought it in cash, so I don't like have to find a loan to pay off or none of that stuff. Yeah. So, but if anybody's interested, 2022 Clacka uh, Eddie 360, let me know. So I'm, we're just talking about it right now. I'm not even officially sure about it yet. Yeah. You know. Uh, and then I was going to have Bill talk about the status of his driveway because he had a little surprise this week with his driveway, but Bill didn't come today. He's, uh, he's, not, he's not here today to talk about that. And uh, yeah, that's all I really had for the week. Hopefully I didn't talk you off too much, but no. The, dude, the muskie's exciting, man, especially in Illinois. Oh, yeah. And they're just like anybody that fishes Illinois for muskies just knows anywhere you go, even the like the good lakes. The lake I go to, a lot of people I sent that Snapchat to were like, I didn't even know there were muskie there. I didn't even know there were muskie there. You it's know? just one of those things where you're just like no confidence casting. You know what I mean? No, it, it's confidence casting. You're The biggest thing is you're trying to find a presentation that is not something that goes zipping by. Like, I, For instance, I, I didn't throw a bucktail yesterday. And yeah. How many bucktails does that thing go zinging over its head all day? You know? And so I was, uh, I don't know if I mentioned, but I caught that on a bulldog. I think I did say that because I downsized. Yeah. yeah. So I think soft plastics is a big way to go. And then, uh, oh, the one little re- lure review. So we got those meat grinders and I finally actually had, I was out finally throwing them around, yeah. you know? And uh, those are, that is a clacky little lure. It's uh, very noisy, very noisy. That's what it's meant to be. It is. But like, but I'm telling you, I don't know if that you can feel the noise or if you can hear the noise, if that makes sense. No, you know, I, I know exactly the, what you're saying, yeah. Through the line. So I throw it out there. And there's a lot of resistance against it, a lot of resistance against it. But you hear all the way, all the way in, you hear this thing ticking. And it, the blade on the back's got this big swoop like this with the big twister tail coming off. It's got a lot of movement. It's got a lot of movement. It sinks like hell. It, it, like that is countdown is less than one second per foot. Wow. Yeah. But I highly suggest them. There, there, you, there's infinite retrieves you can do with this thing. You can yo-yo it, you know, up and down, up and down. And yo, that's, I fished it a lot like that. Straight retrieve. Straight retrieve still going to be. Uh, and it throws so much water. That thing will actually have that swirl come up. When you're in the figure eight, it'll, the swirl will come up four feet behind the lure. Yeah. You know. Black hole. So that meat grinder was definitely worth especially it's a sub $20 musky lure just mm-hmm. you can buy you can own two or three of them and you can throw them in the wood you can throw them in the thickets that's the other thing that was really nice about it is because it's like a typical bass spinner yeah the weed it was virtually snagless you pick up weeds on the head of the lure but you never get anything off you know you're not pulling off of a bunch of treble hooks you know like I was throwing a medusa a lot yesterday and every time you find a you know a stack of weeds with it you all these treble hooks you're plucking it off yeah, you're of, making you know making salad but that meat grinder, when it comes to 
you want to be on the bottom with a slow presentation. You want to hop along that bottom and have that spinner. You know, you don't have to do any tricks. You don't have to pop it to get the spinners going. But that that meat grinder is well worth the money. I will be, and I threw it a lot yesterday. It was, in fact, I had it on one of my rods most of the time I was out there yesterday. So just to sum up real quick, you were in how many feet of water when you caught your muskie, do you think? I was sitting in about 10 feet of water, and I was thrown into what I think about four. Okay, and you caught him probably somewhere around six? Somewhere on the drop-off, definitely on the drop-off. Because yeah. I, I was actually watching the video that I made, and it was like three or four pops after it landed. Because I got, so I kind of a slow, constant retrieve with a random boop up, you know, like I always use the, the handle on the front of the reel. So it's a, you know, and then pop, pop. But it, I never, it's not like I pop and let it drop. You know, it's not like I raise the rod and then let it drop and then reel in the slack. I'm always reeling. And then I just kind of give it some movement. Yeah. You know, so as it's, I figure, I kind of picture going along like this and then, you know, kind of, if something is trailing it, something is thinking about it, maybe that little pop is enough to, you know, get them to take it. So nice. Yeah. So that's, uh, that's it. It was just nice to, uh, it was nice to get out of a rut, you know, uh, especially in Illinois. I mean, so anyway, moving on to news a little bit. You said you had an article. You want to start with an article? You want me to start with an article? I got a couple. So I memorized this one because I'm, Super upset about it, but uh, in Wisconsin, this is what made me think of the technology thing. In Wisconsin, there is this awesome app. It's called Hunt Wild. Oh, and yeah. And I was praising it up and down. I was thinking, wow, for a state to do this, this is amazing. And they got rid of it. Oh, why? Because they said the app has expired. Now you can go on our website. But when you're out in the middle of nowhere, websites don't work that well. I did hear this. I did hear this. And it just I heard makes something me so mad. I didn't look into it. So... So what what was uh what was the point of having it? They said, oh well, it expired. No, no. What was the point of the app? The app sold oh, you something? Did, no, uh, no, it didn't sell you anything. And let let you know where you can hunt, and then they color coded the areas that you can hunt for. Like if, in Wisconsin, if there was county land, DNR. Um, I forget what they called it, but like D, oh DNR managed land, and so like that was all green. The county land was like all like maybe like peach colored, like apricot colored, uh, and then the stuff that you couldn't hunt was just clear. And I was like, this is amazing. Like, this is such a good resource to have. You're out there walking around like, am I on somebody else's property? Nope, I'm good. Keep going. And now it's like, now you're going to have to boot up this website and then wait for it to, you know, load and all that. So what I think happened was, you know, Wisconsin's a huge hunting state, right? Huge. Like they, not that the state's huge, but that a lot of people hunt in Wisconsin. Oh, it's, it's like ingrained in the culture for sure. So people are probably like, why would I go pay for one of these expensive map apps? Because they are expensive. They are insanely expensive. They're like 150 bucks a year. It's ridiculous. Why would I go pay for that when I could just get the free one off of Wisconsin? And it works great, right? And I feel like there was some some weird like lobbying pressure. Oh, I'm sure that it was resulted political. in this. I'm sure. Yeah, I'm sure it was something like that. Like, hey, we'll give you some sort of kickback if you just don't do your app anymore. And then you put it on the website and it's slow and everybody hates it. So I'm, I, there's got to be some angle to it like that. Because there's all these, there's, a, there's quite a few of these apps now. And uh, that made me so angry. I was just reading that ah, or sometime during the week when I was on lunch. And I was just like, you got to be kidding me. And then I opened it and I'm like, no, it, it says... Oh, this app is no longer being serviced. So now it's like, now you don't even trust the information that's on there because it could have changed, right? And they just didn't update it. Huh. So that stinks. That it was does. such a good app and it worked real well. That does. Especially like, like you said, that the, the resident, there might be people complaining in Wisconsin, who knows. Um, but you're right about like, it's, 
it's nice for people with access to information like that. Cause like the, half the reason why I might not try something is because I don't know if I'm breaking the law. I'm not, if I, cause like if I go out and break the law, I didn't do it on purpose, you know? Um, but an app like that is like, uh, it would be nice for out of towners, but maybe that's what they don't want, you know? But so the, the thing that really made me boil about technology was, okay, so how much, how much is your hummingbird chip just for one state? Like 120 bucks. I didn't say I was gonna say 150. Like 120 to 150 bucks. You can go get the Navionics one, but they don't work that well with Hummingbird stuff. And then, you know, it's just weird. But so if you go get your Lake Master chip, then it's this much. And then the base map one is so basic. They're like, yeah, there's there's not much there, but I noticed the preloaded maps shallower. for the lake I was fishing yesterday were completely wrong. I never realized. I never paid attention to just how wrong they were, except for Shoreline. So, so wrong. The the app that I the base map that I have on my hummingbird on my boat says no, there's no it's twenty feet of water right there. Look on the phone, nope, four feet of water there, and it's just like so they just didn't put that in base map. Like, I, nah. but I ran into that a lot yesterday. I'm sitting here, I'm thinking I'm in a ten foot channel, and all of a sudden uh, I look down and I see seaweeds. I was just kind of I was finding a line, and so I see a bunch of, like a big weed bed, and I'm like, what? Like I'm looking at the GPS, I'm like, this says I'm in a big deep hole right now completely wrong that happened all night so now for let's say you were a hunterman or you're a hunterman a hunter and a fisherman and let's say you fished on lake michigan too which is i'm kind of i want to do all those all three of those things uh you need a different app for the wave size on lake michigan to see if you can even go out that day um that's yeah, like I, got, I use Windfinder. i don't know if you ever my uh my cigarette boat buddy guy told me about it great app Windfinder. it's free that's 11 bucks a year. Don't mind paying for it. What is it, a buck a month? Whatever. Uh, now, if you want to go get one of the big name hunting apps, that's going to be like 120 bucks a year. Then you're like, I want to fish in Wisconsin and Minnesota this year. That's 250 bucks. So it's just like all of this technology. And it's the one I argue for, just the GPS maps. I don't want to know. Like, I do want to know where the fish are. Obviously, that's why I'm out there fishing. But it's just for you to go out and be on a lower playing field than most other people, you need to spend huge money a year. Well, it's like, uh, the, like, well, for instance, like when we first got into fishing, none of this existed. And then, but you're able to slowly transition into it. Oh, okay. Well now, now I already had the boat. I've had the boat for a few years. I'm now going to buy a GPS and a chip and kind of like, you can kind of like buy these things as you go, you know, but now if you don't buy, if you don't buy 10 grand in electronics right off the bat, five grand in electronics right off the bat, you're behind everybody else that's out there. You yeah. Know? It's, so my argument is, this is my talking point for today. My argument is simple. If I can't use a drone for hunting, which I don't want people to, I think that's totally cheating, right? Maybe for scouting, but you're going to have to come back in three months. You know, the same reason you can't fly an airplane the same day you hunt in Western states. Uh, shouldn't be able to do that with, you know, our boats are the drones of the fishing world. So side scan, down scan. You know, that's all great if you're trying to find a car that went into the water or whatever. But for fishermen, it just, it changes the game so much. It doesn't make it not worth it for the other people who don't use it. I'm just saying that would the same amount of people be out there if they didn't have that technology to fall back on? And we've covered this a bunch in the past, but uh, the the biggest thing like we said is you don't have to, uh, you don't have to waste a lot of time finding a spot. You don't have to waste time with casting lines to find fish. You can go up and find bait fish or not find bait fish and keep moving until you find them. And so that it ultimately it all this like snowballs into the fact that you catch more fish. The one thing I don't like is the exploiting of uh, like these companies 
they know, like, for instance, you were talking like uh, the Lake Man chips. They look and they're like, okay, the Midwest, we got a lot of walleye fishermen. We got a lot of, what's the biggest population? Well, Northern Illinois has 12 million people. Southern Wisconsin has, you know, say 6 million people, whatever. And it's like, well, we're willing to bet that most of those people from Chicago are going to fish Michigan, Indiana, Wisconsin, or Minnesota, you know? So let's make these chips so they got to they gotta purchase at least three of them from us. Yeah. And then you're you like, know? hell no, I'm not doing that. What is that? It's going to be 500 bucks for me to just get lines on my map? Come on. So, But they just sold you this electronic that's, you know, light years ahead of what we had even a decade ago. But now, so they sold you this thing for a huge price. And now to maintain use of this thing is going to cost you huge bucks. And it's like, it, and then you're expected to have it, you know. You can't catch fish without it. And the other guys that do have the money to buy it are outfishing you because they have the money to buy this stuff. And so I don't like them exploiting these guys that want to have a, a you know a fourteen foot John boat and a ten horse Johnson on the back, you know. And then now you're not going to catch anything because you don't have the money to. Besides all the exploitation stuff, I don't want fishing to be where people go out in their boats and stare at a screen. It's what it is. It's what it is now. Because they're not paying attention to the people in front of them. And not just that, they're not out there enjoying fishing for the reason that you're supposed to be enjoying fishing. You know what I mean? It's Well, the other thing too is you watch a lot of like Instagram, TikTok, and like everyone acts like they're part of the Bass Masters. Like they're we gotta find this and we gotta, you know, they got the screens all over the place. I'm like, man, these guys got eight grand in electronics on there. You know, you better catch fish if you're gonna spend that kind of money on it. Um, I will say one thing I, I have, like after reading uh, Next Level, what is that called? Next Level Muskie, Steve Paul. After reading that book, he did have an excellent tip in that book that I was thinking I could see on any of these live feeds, these live sonar things being like very useful for. So he says he'll be pulling a lure in and he looks down at his live scope and it'll tell you if you got to follow or not. So you're watching your lure come in on this thing, do, 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 do. And then you can look. Big blob behind it. Oh, I got to follow. So, but you know, like, for instance, the lake I was fishing yesterday is dirty, you know? Oh, yeah. So I was thinking it would be, it would be cool if, uh, with the, with the follow would be cool, but if almost they had to follow a limit for how far out this thing can see, you know, I could see something like that coming. Like I always said, a tax stamp. Oh, you want, you want, you know, 10 screens at 20 bucks a piece in the boat. Okay. That's going to be X amount of bucks and that goes into fishing habitat. I don't see what's wrong with that. Because they were killing it. For instance, this lake I was fishing last night, I was talking to some walleye fishermen. They're like, man, we just don't catch anything here anymore. We used to come out here and catch big striper and uh, walleye, and we don't catch anything anymore. The other thing, too, I found out is that a lot of people are thinking that lake I was in yesterday is eroding in because it's a man-made lake, and they think the erosion's actually swirling because there's no more current for a power plant. Right. You know, so it's actually just kind of rolling in, you know. But anyway... That's all I really have to say about the technology. I know we've beaten this up a few times. If you look at that lake... And you break down your barriers and you like set certain limits. It actually shows you like these little swirl patterns that did happen. Oh, big time. Big time. And they're they're kinda subtle, kinda not. So Um Well like the one big channel we were fishing by Sonny gets down to twenty feet, you know. And but on the if you look at the map, granted the water's low too. But if you look at the map, they call for thirty feet of water. I never got deeper than like twenty, twenty two feet, you know. Yeah. But um, no, with the electronics, I think I think this is going to be, I think in a few years is when we're really going to, like you're going to need to stay on top of your electronics because the fishing is going to be so dead that there's no way around it. You know, it, it was fine. Then we get electronics. It starts dying off. 
and now you need electronics to fish the fix the problem that you had by having electronics. It's like think about where we fish up north. All of this stuff started dying off right about this time that everything started getting way more. Yeah, because we started finding more fish once we got a GPS, and then all of a sudden side scan down scan came out, and it's like I don't know the fishing kind of died in here. You know. Now I am an advocate for GPS because it's more about safety and not ruining your boat than it is about finding fish. Uh, is there anything else you want to say about that? No, that was just, I, I was thinking to myself, would people be out here less if they didn't have the technology? And I oh, think definitely. the answer would be yes, because they'd I, get frustrated and stop. I honestly think that people are only out there for social media and they stage, you know, they catch one decent fish and then they have a change of clothes. I watched that. I, somebody actually disproved that on one of them, one of these like influencers pages. Ooh. You know, they catch a, they catch a 42 inch pike and then they got five shirts with them. You'd think they had a stellar week. You know, it caught one fish, you know, got a lot um, of getting it for the gram. And then the other thing too, have you noticed all of those pictures on social media? If somebody accidentally puts their fingers on the bottom of the fish, you could see the size of their fingers relative to the size of the size oh, of the fish. Yeah, yeah. And, but everybody's holding these fish way out in front of them. Yep. So like when you commented, Hey, that muskie actually looks kind of small. Maybe it was relative to the pictures that you see online that somebody said, this is a 55 inch, you know? And Mine was, I was like, yeah, mine's a 42. And you're like, that doesn't look like 42. That's because I'm holding it right up against my body and I got my arm out in front of it. Uh, that's why I learned, one thing I love every time I talk to a muskie fisherman that missed a muskie, they're, it was all 50s. Nobody's nobody's ever missed a 40. They're all, they're, they only miss 50s. You know, I just, I love that. I love watching those videos where people are like, oh yeah, dude, at least 50. At least, oh, so at you, least, you at measured least. that baby right up inside your mind, huh? <laughs> you know, and you, so you saw that thing from tip to tail that clear where you can make a quick size? No, come on, come on. Well, I could change the subject if you want here. Yeah, I got, go a, I got a couple of news articles. Switch gears, right? We've talked about this before. This is from cleveland.com. Uh, there's three Ohio metro areas that are most likely to be impacted by the newly invasive species, all right? And they were warning because this thing's moving east. And so the Cleveland, Akron, and Canton area are likely to be affected by the spotted lanternfly. Remember this? We were talking yep. about this? Oh, yeah. So I believe this was the same one that has that. It almost looks like a ball of mud for yeah. their eggs. You know, and they, they'll it, they'll put it like if your boat like sits behind a garage and stuff and it doesn't move very often, like all of a sudden like on the rim of that thing, it'll, be, it'll look like a spot of mud. And you're going to think you got it off launch once upon a time. And it's like, no, that spotted lanternfly is reproducing. So they were first spotted in Pennsylvania in 2014. The fly is making its way east. Uh, They are most active between July and December, which I was surprised to hear that. Um, The egg-laying season, though, is coming. It hasn't started yet. You may see them, but the egg-laying season starts in September, and it goes through November. You can can inspect trees and plants at dusk. They said that specifically. At dusk for egg masses. Uh, buildup of sticky fluid on plants or uh, or on the ground beneath that plant. And uh, hmm. plants that ooze and have fermented odor have been affected by these things. Or plants that have a very sooty mold. So that's like what we were talking about, like that yeah. dried mud, you know. Um, and that's all I have to say about that. That spotted lanternfly was first, uh, yeah, spotted lanternfly, first in Pennsylvania, I mean recently. And then now they were saying the next, like the furthest east warning that has it so far, I saw the furthest, or I'm sorry, the furthest west. I keep saying east because I'm like referring from here. I, this thing's moving west, not east, west. Uh, the furthest west that it, it, it's going, it, I saw so far closest to us would be Indianapolis. 
not there yet, but they're on the impact list. There was like 20 cities that it's like, hey, you guys better look out, you know. But Ohio put it out there, so I figured I'd give them the credit for it. And then uh, my next news article I have here, channel3000.com. So this one, this one, you keep hearing more and more about it too. Um, It says, more than two dozen Wisconsin counties qualify for natural disaster emergency aid due to drought. Whoa. Yeah. So 27 counties in total so far. Uh, The U.S. Drought Monitor is used for tracking drought conditions and watches for eight consecutive weeks of drought conditions. So that's how they consider it an emergency. Eight consecutive weeks. We had to have that towards the end of it. Oh, yeah. And then I guess certain parts. I was reading through the county list. It all sounds like Madison. You know, if you had to give the latitude, it would be like Madison latitude, kind of all those counties. Uh, People in these counties can apply for loans to cover the losses. So it doesn't sound like they're just giving you money. Um, they're just going to help you cover losses. Hmm. So what do you think of all that? And the drought, I, the drought was for real. And then all of a sudden we come out of it a little bit and we get like seven inches of rain in like 10 days and, uh, everything started sprouting again, but it kind of stopped raining. It did rain last night though. I was on my way home with the boat and it started raining. On a quote unquote normal year, we're usually like in our third or fourth week of a drought and we've actually had our most rain activity within the last two weeks. So it's kind of, well, three weeks, I guess, but it's been kind of crazy. Oh, well, we were drought conditions for at least six weeks, if yeah, not eight, yeah. you know. I would say, yeah, it'd be, I'd say it was between six and eight weeks, and it was bad. I was thinking to myself, like, when did you ever see a May like this? Like, ever? Oh, yeah. Yeah, and, like, when you, when you, like, for instance, my creek was completely grown over in weeds, and it's like, usually you see that, but it's like middle of August, you know. It's never in May. Yeah, I, I usually... That's usually pretty clear fishing until about, I'd say, July 15th, 20th, somewhere in there. And then, and then now we've gotten more rain than ever. Well, then, that now, but now it's kind of done. Notice we haven't really gotten any rain in, what, in a week? Oh, we got dumped on last night. Dumped on. Here? I mean, where I live, yeah. Oh, okay. I noticed my car was wet. I went out for a weighted walk this morning and put on the old 50-pound vest and walked a few miles. When I've got a good puddle in the driveway, it rained real good. And I had a huge <laughs> one. I had a huge one. And so we came out like, whoa, it must have. And it's still like hot, humid, you know, moist, like nothing dried out. So that's all I have for the news. If you want to move on to, uh, I wanted to talk about a little night fishing because that this it is the season, you know. Yeah. Next weekend, uh, we have our Green Bay trip on Saturday. But I might actually, because I switched back to the night shift. So uh, I might actually go out Sunday night and do some walk, wade type fishing at night. Hmm. So... I'll tell you about where and when off the air if you're interested. Yeah. Um, but night fishing. So why why should you night fish this time of year? So last night, for instance, I was getting off the water, and after the sun stopped cooking the back where the transducer is, it lowered down to like 82 degrees. That's how warm that place is, you yeah. know? Oh, yeah. And if you're not dealing with a 50-foot deep lake, it's pretty much that warm everywhere in the water column. Yeah, you know? maybe maybe ten degrees, ten feet down. Maybe, but yeah, I bet you there was. I bet you the coldest spot in that lake could have been measured in the seventies. Yeah, you know. Um, so why go night fishing? Well, the first thing is obviously because the uh, the water cools off a ton. You know, um, and then the, another good reason to go night fishing is less commotion on the water. Uh, it causes everything to move up on a structure. There was something I had, I, let me, uh, oh, so less commotion on the water. The other reason for like with commotion when it comes to, uh, commotion is they want to move up higher in the water column also because it's more oxygenated water. So they get up there and they fill their gills with more oxygen, you know? Yeah. But, 
So instead of hanging out, and this this fall this goes true for pretty much, I mean, musky and walleye is pretty much like on my realm. I guess a little bit of northern. I don't know if I've ever caught a northern at night though. Have you ever caught a northern at night? They're not typically night fish. And I, but why is a musky and not a northern? I mean, they're they're very similar, but their habits are completely opposite of each other. That's so, what's so interesting about the mike or the musky pike relationship. But yeah, I've, walleye and musky, yeah, at night, that's a common thing, especially this time of year. That's why we're talking about it, you know. Um, so the one thing that I thought was interesting, I was reading about all of people's different opinions on why I go night fish, and that's why this is kind of a whole thing of mine. And there's, but uh, the nighttime gives any kind of bait fish a false sense of security, like a false sense of cover. Oh, it's finally dark. I can hide a little easier, you know. Bam, gets hit, you know. So it gives it a false sense. So you can actually move up into more like open water structure, shallow water where the oxygen is. And because they're up there because they know it's easy ambush. These things, if they can move slow without other bait fish picking it up, they can come in and bam, be right on top of a fish without them knowing. And they can eat. So it's easier for them to eat. Um, I, I even put that easier to ambush, you know. So a couple of like there's the differing opinions. I was always under the impression at night, go slower. Because you don't want to zip something over. If let's say they are searching for it because of darkness, you want to leave it out there longer so they can have a better chance at finding what you're throwing. If you have some high speed top water, you know, yeah, they might be like, I hear it, I hear it, I hear it, but where is it, you know, and uh, don't pick up on it. But if you go slower, they can kind of like, I hear it. Where's that coming from? Where's that coming from? It's kind of like when you're, uh, you know, imagine if the only time you're, uh, Smoke detector it only beeped once. Would you find it? Yeah. You know? Yeah. Um, would you find out, you know, back when we all had battery-powered ones? And probably a lot of people still do. But when those things start beeping, if it only beeped once. I do. You'd be like, man, which one was it? Which one was that? You know? So I was always under the impression slower presentations. Not a lot of people agree with, and not, I shouldn't say not a lot. Not everybody agrees with that. They say, just keep it the same. Just fish at night. Throw the same lure, same bucktail, same everything. So, like, most of our night fishing always consists of top water at night, you know, and slower top water, creepers, globes, you know. You're not throwing exactly like a tallywhacker, you know, pop, 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 but, though you can. But a lot of stuff, uh, that uh, Joe Booker, you read any of his stuff, he tells you throw a bucktail, you know. Um, the only reason when, like, it would all depend on subsurface for me and where I'm throwing. If I know I'm not in thick weed cover or if I'm in deep weed cover, then I'll throw, I'd throw something like yeah, that. Yeah, that's kind of something you get away with when there's uh, a lot of weed cover and you're not exactly sure where you're at is when you throw you know, a top water. You kind of negate the weed thing. Um, so, yeah, uh, all, like I said, walleye, this is all true for walleye too. Uh, let me see. Let me make sure I cover everything. Uh, shallow water heats up during the day, so they come out at night, so it's cooler, but also because shallow water has more oxygen. I did mention that. I was yep. looking for that. I knew they, because, well, I was like, I found these two different points, like opposite of each other, writing this down. Like, ah, I wish I wrote that with the other one. The other thing, too, is if people are out there churning it up all day, there's actually more oxygen in the water than. Well, you just think about like boats going by and wakes, you know. Muskie's going to go down and hang out in a 90, 90 degree day in 30 feet of water. You know, it's pretty dense down there, not really swirling around like the top, you know, but then they can come up and kind of get that breath of air, you know. Um, so tips for fishing at night. Now, we've, we've always fished tonight. We weren't, we've never really been dedicated night fishermen, which there's a lot of muskie guys. You go out on the Fox Channel Lake in Northern Illinois, there's guys that will only hit that at night. That's it. It's, it's it. They don't even want to see the sun, you know. And uh, so, 
most of the time, like us, we do that. We do that dawn dusk type thing. So you're out there, included with the night, and but you're kind of finishing up. You know, you kind of sun goes down. You might hang out an hour or two and then come back in. You know, it always depends on how hungry somebody is, whether or not you come in at an hour or two. Bathroom. Yeah, ran out of beer. You know, things like that. But so for tips, I gotta say my first thing. This goes true for deer hunting. This goes true for fishing. But a good headlight with a red filter. You know. Yeah, I've got one. My, my red isn't that bright, but... What about you? You got anything? Um, I do not have a whole lot of experience night fishing. I. What do you mean? We did it as kids our whole life. You know no, I... Oh, absolutely. But it's just... I don't know. It's one of those things that I really have to start nailing down to practice to do that. And now, you know, I got to deal with, like, the people that I have in my boat, and none of them want to night fish, ever. Oh, really? Yeah. So, uh, I remember the one... like. Uh, night fishing, I like to do under very, very, very predictable circumstances. Oh, yeah. So I like to be, uh, I, I don't want to be in some whipping storm, but I couldn't get Nick the time, the one time to come back in. And we had, remember that, was it last, it was last year, I think. We were just, remember the whole time was just 20 mile an hour winds the entire time we were up there. Yep. And we were dealing with one to two footers all day and we're in his old John boat, the 1937 Big John, you know. <laughs> And anybody that's been in one to two footers in a John boat for 12 hours. Crash, crash, crash. Just bam, bam, bam. You can't stand up in it, you know. You just can't stand up in it. But, like, we're finally, we're out there like 10 o'clock and he's still casting. I'm thinking, can we go in? We haven't caught anything all day. We're getting our asses kicked in this boat. You know, but, man, he you got to ask him to go in. He won't go in unless you bring it up, you know. But he didn't mind the boat beating the hell out of you, you know. But, um yeah, he he. If you need a night fishing partner, that is your guy. He'll yeah. go out, you know. Oh, we did that. We definitely did that in his boat. Uh, we were doing walleye. But even but even come salmon season, you've been out that night with the salmon season. You got no tips oh, yeah. for how to do that? Uh, how to do that? Um, don't use baitcaster. That's but, how you do that. Oh, really? You don't like using a baitcaster night? No. I think. Well, you. Well, know what? okay. For for the musky type situation, totally different. It's yeah. When you can hear it better. Yeah. You know. And you you also end up thumbing it a little bit early, just so you don't always you're not picking out a backlash in the middle of the night. But no, what I'm saying for the salmon angle of things is you're casting and you don't know how far that thing is going to go. You haven't timed it quite like you would a musky lure. Um, you you don't have that repetition. So if you use the spin caster, just close the bail and go. You spin know? caster. When was the last time you used a spin caster? Well, I'm sorry, a spinning reel. Oh, see, I haven't done. Man, I haven't done. I thought they also called them spin casters. Maybe spin cast the button push. The oh. old Zebco 202. No, okay, <laughs> not that. Uh, like a spinning reel, a spinning setup. You just it can hit the water. You can leave the bail open until you're blue in the face, and not with a not with a bait caster. We're gonna go out salmon season this year. That's coming. I was I mean, just talking. I was just talking to Caleb about that. Like it's coming, and I'm gonna be on it. And I'm gonna. I want to be out there in the boat. Uh, I mean, realistically, those salmon will start moving in in the next six weeks if the weather, if the weather's right. If we maintain ninety-five degree heat and these water temps the way they are, then no. But uh, it'll be further into September. But come the end of August, uh, you really start having shots at them, especially at night, you yeah. know. And then once you get in early October is when kind of uh, late September, October is when you can hit them in the day, you know. But we're we're coming up on we're coming up on that time. I can't wait, and I think with us having boats, it's a huge advantage over what people are, what people are doing. You know? Yeah, especially especially like uh, some of the spots that we were in, you just you're not going to get to by foot. But I, I I do like the shore fishing angle of it. You know, it's just kind of cool to do it. No, it's it's cool to kind of be out there with everybody. And I mean, I've never seen it like that. I like it. It make it gives me faith in like 
you know, outdoors stuff when you see it's just nuts to butts on this dock. Yeah, it's it's know? just kind of like this little like you're you're kind of part of the culture. You yeah, know? you know, and it's like it's not like you're trying somebody else's culture. It's like, oh no, we're all out here doing the same thing. You the know? thing I found so cool is you're walking up and you see blood spot, blood spot. Oh yeah, spot, when you walk out there spot. and there's like a 16 inch blood spot, and you're like, man, somebody got them last night. Somebody, get, and then like you start telling the age of the blood spots. There's blood spots, so you're like, that yeah. one was last night. That one was probably last week. Yeah. You know, and then, but the thing that discouraged me was the guy walks out. He's walking out with this big king, and you're like, yeah, here we go. And he's like, yeah, I've been out here doing this 11 years, and you're like, no, <laughs> don't tell me that. You know, like you, like you got me excited, and you just trashed it. You know, uh, yeah, uh, we learned a lot though. We actually, what, cause what have we been taking this seriously now? A year or two? Oh no, your last year was your first year. Yeah. I'm, I'm in fact, I, I need to get a different setup for that. I need to get what you got. All the old eight and a half foot medium. Yeah. And, but like, I, I don't know if I want to invest that kind of money into a spinning rod. Cause I just don't use them. That anymore. was a cheap rod. That was a cheap rod. That, that rod less cost me less than a hundred bucks. Oh yeah, I'm, when it comes to that, I'm thinking forty bucks is like the tip top, you know. Oh no, you're gonna yeah for real rods, you're gonna spend. I mean, I, I wanted the Browning for like one fifty, you know. But anyway, that that uh that whole salmon thing, we really started dialing into that. Last year, I got bit off three times on the same night. So this year, I'm coming back. I'm actually gonna use leaders like musky fishing. Yeah, and uh, the one time I'm like, God, one set the hook and the line. It was a real windy night, and the line floated away. A hundred feet of line floated yeah. up in the air. I'm like, what the? And that happened twice more that day. But um, so anyway, back to tips for fishing at night. The other thing I'd have to say, and this is true from boating, all that stuff, is always be in a familiar spot. Always be in a spot that I can. I, I'm telling you, there's a couple of spots in the Chippewa flowage I can close my eyes, I can fish it, and then I can motor back and pull right up to the dock. That's how well I know it. You know. And that's and so, that's that's when GPS is like a really good thing, a really really good. Yeah, thing. I'm flying back doing 20 miles an hour, and Dad turns around like, "Why are you doing this? Like we're gonna die." And it's just like, "No, man, I've got it right here. We're good." You know, see the tree line, see that tree line, right here. Everything's verified. Yeah, you kind of aim for the empty spot. You see these shadows of trees, the silhouette of trees on the right. You see silhouette of trees on the left, and then you see stars in front. Aim for the stars. You know, I've got this big spotlight. That is great. And that, you know, that's like your, you, you don't navigate with that, but that's like your, uh oh, you know, and then all of a sudden you see. Um, yeah. So the familiar spots, uh, very important. Uh, don't, don't try anything new. If you're like, man, I've always wanted to fish that lake. Don't try it. Don't make night the first time. At least get out there early enough in the day so you can at least get a lay of the land. And the other thing, too, remember your lights. If, if you're out there fishing and you're in the middle of nowhere, whatever, everybody turns off their lights. But if you see somebody coming, turn it on. Oh, yeah. That's your job. And if um, you're moving, turn it on. Next one I have is get good with your hearing and your feel. So know what your reels and rods and lures feel like. Get good at knowing what they're supposed to sound like. You know? And I'm telling like, I, uh, what was I throwing last night? I was throwing, because uh, I did throw top water a little bit before I gave that up. And I forget, it was like a skewick. Skewick? Uh, I forget what the skyjacker or something like that. It's like a tallywhacker blade blade, blade bait. And I'm throwing it out there, and that, that, that thing's pop, 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 pop. But the tone was a little different. And I'm like, man, that it's still plopping, but it was not quite the same plop, yeah. you know? And I pick up the lure, there's nothing wrong with it. I'm looking at it, I'm like, it's running different. Well, in the pivot, in the like where it turns on the shaft, all the way down in there was a little leaf. Yep. And in it was there. just enough to slow it down and change the pitch. 
and that was broad daylight. But so, but I knew what it was supposed to sound like, and it wasn't sounding like that. So I knew to look at there's something wrong with this bait, you know. And uh, so know exactly. So you're gonna be throwing like in the chip of flowage. Everybody, if you go there, everybody has to throw a creeper on a shallow bar at some point. Just do it once. Oh, that night. that episode. If you guys listened to it two episodes ago with uh, Stephen Paul and Joe Booker, uh, man, did I learn some stuff there. <laughs> Everything's about presentation, and especially in a lake where they're like, "Yeah, hey, this is the bait. This is the time. This is the place. Just go out there and do it." It's like, well, now we got to change, you know. But the the creeper thing, you got to try. But you, the biggest thing is you want to know that creeper before you try it at night. Don't just grab a brand new fresh creeper you've never thrown and then expect to know exactly what it's doing out there. There's a lot of weird tuning stuff that goes with creepers. Can be. Mine was mine was good out of the box. Bill's I was good out of the box. Caught a fish with uh, two of mine. The one the one got real bent up. And then after that, it was like kind of like swimming like it only had one arm. <laughs> you know? <laughs> Um, the last little tip I have for fishing at night is don't veer off the plan. So you, you said, we're going to fish this point, this bar, this reef, this, whatever. Don't be like, Hey, you know what? Maybe we should try this real quick. Don't veer too far off. If it's a spot on the way back to where you're staying at night, that's different. But don't be like, man, remember that spot we were at earlier this morning? It's right around those two islands and we're going to keep going. Uh, you know, and then all of a sudden you're out there like, did we come from this way? Did we come from that way? You know? Uh, or you might've forgot about a rock bar. You might've forgot about a log floating, things like that. So go to a familiar place and don't veer too far off of that and keep an eye. Here's an important one. We were just talking about keep an eye on landmarks. So you know that that guy's dock over there has a big spotlight on it. And you know, you're going to go to the North of that to head to the next, uh, whatever. Oh yeah. Look, there's the cell tower that I, yeah. yeah. Yep. Yeah. Stuff like that. Or you can still see the glow from sunset. So, you know, you know, you can kind of keep your eye on that. Uh, but landmarks can do wonders for you for finding your way around. So real quick story, kind of funny, pre-GPS, pre-me owning GPS. I know it definitely wasn't pre-GPS, but we're coming back about five-ish miles away from the cabin. Splashing through the middle of the night, big storm, boosh, boosh, boosh. And Dad's like, hey, I'm pretty sure there's an island there. And I'm like, nah, we're good. You know, nah, doing, dude, I remember. Nah, we're only doing like 10 miles an hour. Trust me, dude. So he turns on his headlight, not a spotlight, his headlight, and bang, big old pine tree. And yeah, definitely was an island. We wouldn't have hit it, but it's still one of those like, whoa, you know, <laughs> kind of moments. And uh, yeah, so my, the moral of that story is have a big light. And when you're when you're afraid, don't be afraid to use it. I don't carry a big light with me. I do. I don't. Okay. I got a headlight, a and I'm good. Big old light and a big old boat. I will say, if you are, you're like, you know what? I'm gonna after listening to that, I'm gonna go get me a good headlight. I'm telling you though, I could, I've owned a lot of different headlights. I'll tell you, the best ones are ones with one single headband, not the ones that go around the top of your head. Yeah, those are a pain in the ass. Those. But get a single one that goes around your head that's rechargeable, not something that takes double A's. Yeah, they don't make last, it take batteries. They no. last so much longer. You're going to get 20 hours out of this light versus three with batteries. And, you know? oh, you're thinking to yourself, I forgot to charge that. Charge it on the way to wherever you're going. Yeah, yeah and it's because we got the chargers in the boat. So Yeah, charge it on the way to wherever you're going, and it's just rechargeable. You don't have to buy batteries. It's great. The other thing that I will recommend is don't be afraid of the cheap Amazon ones. And the reason I say that, I'm not, you know, we're not sponsored by a headlight brand yet. <laughs> wink, wink. But uh, I bought this one. It's like, go, go wild now. And you're thinking like, this is going to be crap. You know, I got two of them for five bucks and it was great. And it lasts forever. I think I spent 13 on both of mine that I liked them so much. I went and I got two more. 
Uh, the one I exploded in my mouth with the bow, if you remember that, actually. I, I only have three. <laughs> I do. Uh, yeah, yeah, that's a story for another day for any new listeners. Yeah, I, I blew it. I, I had a headlight in my mouth in the middle of the night and blew it up with a bow. That <laughs> 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 I lost all my teeth. Uh, yeah, that was a hell of a morning. That whole morning went like that, too. That was the second blow-up story that you got with the bow. Uh, second one? What was the first one? When you were doing the... Um Remember, we were gripping the side of the, like idiots, oh. gripping the side of the, uh, I can't think of the name now. Scale. We, yeah, grip, well, yeah, it's gripping the side of the boat scale, and Jim's gripping it back, and I'm like, no, hold the side of it, you know, it'll feel more natural. And it still was giving us a weight, so it's it wasn't wrong, right? <laughs> and, but turns out that thing wasn't made that way, and uh, the, this the was scale, not a hand scale that you pull on with your hand to test the uh, the draw. Wait, you know, this was not that. It was one that you mount to something and then pull on that something. The skeleton of the scale pulled right through that plastic <laughs> after like five times of doing this. And it shot. And there's all this hardware flying around. And Jim, I didn't hurt your wrist. Yeah. I, I, the, so it, it was like shooting it right at like the, like you know, like side of the wrist, like right where your thumb connects to your wrist kind of thing and hit yeah. that. And I remember it went limp. Yeah. My whole hand went limp for about 10 minutes. Couldn't You couldn't move it. Your wrist was all effed up. Uh, yes, but something worked right after that, and I forget what. Remember, we couldn't figure... <laughs> hey, guys, hot tip. Bl- explode a boat <laughs> scale in here. You know, wear some armor or something, but... Yeah, no. Well, no, I want to say... I want to say... Uh, oh, you know what it was? Was the peep sight stopped turning. That's what it was. Oh, okay. I had the little twist in the peep sight, and I think that's what it was, was the peep sight was was now true. Yeah, I tell people, it. hey, uh, you know, working on your bow is relatively safe. And when it comes to bow scales, I've watched two bows blow up. <laughs> and thankfully, neither of them were mine. But uh, it's just one of those things, man. Like, it could be real dangerous. So watch what you're doing. Yeah, but we we're got, not talking about bows. We're we, talking about... Well, we're going to be soon. Because, I mean, uh, we, we don't have that long to go. we got a couple of months before deer season. So we really got to get t- you know, tuned in with that. I'm anyway. sure half of our listeners are like, come on, man. Another, come on, let's talk about hunting. You know? So we're going to get into it pretty soon. We're gonna get it. We're gonna start going back and forth. I don't know how much uh, I'm kind of planning out I, between salmon season, musky season, and deer season. I'm probably gonna if you're gonna be out if you're gonna hit it hard with the deer hunting. I'm probably um, gonna yeah. I'm probably gonna do stay with the late fall. I haven't done a lot of late fall fishing after since we took up deer hunting. So. That's gonna be the beauty of uh, you know two of us doing this is that one of us is gonna hit the deer hunting real hard and the other one's gonna hit the the late salmon or the late musky real hard. And then I, like I really want the meat, but. Uh, I actually prefer fishing over hunting, you know, but, uh, whereas me, I'm kind of a wash. Like right now, if you were to ask me, I'd be like, yeah, you know, I really like fishing. I don't know about, I think, no, I think if we had different access, if we didn't live where we lived for deer hunting, I think I would enjoy it way more than I do. Yeah. You know, but there's not a lot of deer and there's probably what one deer for every 25 hunters where we are. Yeah. And I think I just kind of burned myself out on that, but I do have different access this year. So, um, that's my that might be what changes my my mind on it yeah um that's it so if you guys want to email us reach out shout out reach out i was trying to come up with another rhyme that didn't work oh yeah and uh good old pat's got an instagram oh so, yes we forgot to say this last week uh weekend wild pat yes and weekend a couple of, hey and the people who did listen to the podcast and found me on instagram thank you uh i'm new to this thing so uh i i know what social media is i'm not 85 years old but uh, I kind of got away from it and lived a happy life. But now we're doing this, and I'm back. So weekend wild, Pat, uh, Jim, you're on weekend underscore wild underscore podcast, right? Uh, I believe so. Yes. Or is it just weekend wild? I don't know if it's podcast. 
No, it's got Weekend Wild something on it. And you're not, you guys aren't going to see the picture of me holding that fish because it's not that one at least. Oh, yeah. You're right. It is Weekend Wild podcast. Okay. I forgot we changed it to that. Um, yeah, you can come follow me, but you can read, you can email us at contact, contact at weekendwhalepodcast.com. So any comments, questions, we said something wrong, we said something right, you want to let us know about it? Uh, yeah. And then, uh, uh, don't forget to look, check out the Muskie 360 podcast or Muskie 360 app. Yeah, and we're uh, on there. Go down. I, I, um, if you look at, it might be their homepage where you just scroll down a little bit, you'll see. All of their offshoot podcasts, like there's the Up North Fishing Report, um, or the Northwoods Fishing Report, and then the, we're down in that same ballpark. Okay. Yeah, and then otherwise, you know, you can tell anybody listening to us just about anywhere. Anyway, we're done rambling. <clears throat> Thanks for listening, and uh, if you got anything you want us to bring up on a podcast, any any news articles, any talking topics, email us. We'll reward you with something, right, Pat? Yeah. So... Thanks again, and have a good week, guys. Yeah, thank you. Thank you.